Blog Talk Radio. And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Report Hour. Brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of clifflow.com in scenic Teaneck, New Jersey, and in just a moment we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week we'll be joined by our special guest, Ramona Scott of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth in Houston, Texas bringing us today's topic on creating a wonderful space for root work and reading. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection, using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work, as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodoos to a time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Miss Cat. Hi, Clifford. I hope things are going well for you in scenic Teaneck. Scenic Teaneck. <laughs> things. Are you uh, things, things are, are you going getting really your well. are you g- getting your root work done? Are you doing lots of readings? I'm, I did more readings in this past week than I have done in twenty years. It was crazy. I went to wow. um, a, a nightclub. I went to a nightclub, and for four and a half hours, I did nonstop readings. I I was winded because talking for four and a half hours is so difficult, and I made so much money, I can't tell you. And I've also been doing some really great um, um, candle work this week for some friends and some some clients, and it's all going very well. Wonderful. Four and a half hours of reading, that's pretty hard. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my, it was. And at a nightclub. But it was fun. You know, that's that's an interesting venue. Um, Reminds me a little bit of Valentina Burton, who used to read at a fancy hotel, in, 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 off in a little a niche off the bar in a hotel, and it was a sort of a celebrity hotel, and people again just they had to take a number. She she read all night long, and they would take a number and read for those. Some of those eccentric spaces, you know, there was no felt need for a reader, but when a reader shows up, it turns out everybody wants a reading. So, very interesting. Congratulations, that's great. Thank you. It was a great adventure. Yeah. I need to tell uh, uh, Nagashiva, I'm having trouble with this phone. It's cutting in and out from my hearing. I don't know if my voice is cutting in and out, but I can only. um, Yeah. So I need. I'm just. This is the same problem we had two weeks ago. This phone is um, falling apart. So. If you could help me, that would be great. Anyway, things here have been progressing pretty well. I've been working on my mystery book, uh, Writing Pages. I just wrote another page last night, and Mm. I hope to have um, uh, hopefully a good few pages done uh, for my patrons um, on the 28th. Um, My my patrons will get another set of sample pages 
what they get is Ooh. fully typeset pages, and but on the other hand, they are um, uh, subject to revision. Sometimes what I end up doing with them is um, reconfiguring the pages. But that's what I've been working on, the mystery book. I've been on the um, committee for uh, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, and we've been having meetings, and um, things are going very well. We're starting to get our lineup uh, of um, presenters kind of firmed up. It's not quite firm yet, but we're working on it. And um, so we'll have some announcements about that. I've been meeting with Gray Townsend for a cover for the mystery book, and he's going to be doing our Hoodoo Heritage Festival postcard. And he's put some samples up for me to look at, and after the show is over, I'm going to go right over and look at them. So things here are very uh, good. On the 1st of March, I'm going in for my cataract surgery. It's bilateral, so I get both done at once. And shortly thereafter, as soon as I'm cleared to lift 5 to 10 pounds, which will be in a week or two after, maybe two weeks, we will be opening up the shop. I might open it up early and just not lift anything, but it's really hard for me not to lift 10 pounds if I'm running a shop. So we will be opening the shop up. The pandemic has receded. So stay tuned. You can follow us on Instagram at Lucky Mojo Curio Co. Or you can follow me, Catherine Ironwood, on Instagram and find out when the shop is actually going to be opening and how we're going to handle, uh, you know, the influx of people. We're still shorthanded on staff, so we're not going to be able to allow people to come in like all at once and just crowd us out because we have work to do. So we're going to probably make appointments for people to come in and um, and then hope that you know they will um, be served by one person because we, if you need a job, by the way, uh, come on by Lucky Mojo because we need staff now that we're going to be reopening. So that's what's new up here. How about you, Conjurman? Oh, things have been uh, quite busy and, and surreal. Uh, I'm, you know, there's that, that famous phrase, there are decades where nothing happens, and then there are weeks where decades happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, yeah. certainly fe- it really certainly felt like that this past week, both professionally and sort of going uh, with what's going on in the international world. I mean, I did, uh, Cliff was mentioning how he did so many readings this, uh, you know, this past week, uh, more than he had ever done in years, and really did feel like that there was like a weird influx of clients and emergency clients, um, and people were like, do you have any openings whatsoever? Please, I need to get in. So there was, I don't know what was going on, but there was definitely a really big uptick in, in clients who needed like really quick emergency readings and they were asking and emailing. So I had like, I think well over 50 emails at one point in a day uh, where people were asking about it. Uh, on the whole, the readings that I did do, those were readings that were planned well in advance, were all very positive and hopeful. Uh, year ahead readings are always my sort of favorite, kind of like, what does 2020 look like for you? You know, or should you be worried about any unintended, you know, expenses are things going to go well in your relationship really kind of nice laying out of the years they were quite positive um and also in terms of root work lots of really great results came and i got some responses back from clients who we've been waiting for for a while particularly in love work uh getting people connect connected so it was a very busy week i do want to just really pause and give a public thanks here to, to santissima muerte i've been working with her for quite a bit working a lot and she just came through i mean there's a reason they call her the miracle saint so it's been one of those spiritually busy busy weeks of readings and root work 
and whatnot. But while this is all really positive news at the sort of professional level, I do want to acknowledge the sort of state of the world for a little bit. So I think it would behoove us all to do so. This is a uh, very conscious uh, and I think publicly aware, socially aware, politically aware radio show. When we talk about root work, we're always very deeply connected to the community and we're always deeply connected to the world around us. Kat and I always uh, make time to talk a little bit about what's going on and that's not casual. That's very intentional on our parts because it reconnects what we're doing to a living world, to a living tradition, to a living community. This is an abstract cookbook style spells on the radio mm-hmm. show. No, no. This is That's a living right. tradition with right with, with people with uh, opinions. So if you follow along the news, we are yet again in like a state of war. I mean, we've already been at a war for 20 years. The U.S. has bombed like a dozen countries. But war has actually shown up in Europe for the first time in decades since Bosnia and from before Bosnia and the, the Balkans and before the Balkans, World War II. So this is a really significant moment in world history with Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. And it has been quite horrible to watch. Um, if you've been following along actually the radio shows, go and listen to the December 2020 episode. Go back. It's, easy. it's a bit of a while. Go listen to December 2020, where Kat, myself, and Deacon Millet, three astrologers, we get together. It's called the Midwinter episode, I think. And we talk about the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. And one of the things I said there was that that conjunction will now produce, the next for the next 20 years, will produce new empires and a fracturing of the unipolar world to a multipolar world. New empires and world conquerors were the words I use, and we're seeing that, like, right now. And so while it's nice to kind of nail down the astrology and the prediction, I think it's more important to always be in solidarity with the people on the ground. So that's where I kind of want to end this. Yes, there's this big, massive international thing that's going on. So all the solidarity in the world to anyone in the world who's fighting against oppressors throughout the world, and may all the fucking empires come crashing down on the heads of dictators. Well, I salute that. There's a little uh, meme uh, set going around the social media world. The sunflower being the the national flower of Ukraine. People are changing their cover photos to sunflowers, posting pictures of sunflowers. And the Ukrainian national colors are a kind of a, a deep, rich blue and a beautiful, yeah. warm yellow gold. And Did you see the are, clip of the, the sunflower clip? Did you see that? I've, I've seen so many. I don't know which one you mean. So the one that really took off and the reason why people are changing to sunflower is that there is a video of a Ukrainian grandmother, an old lady who confronts a Russian soldier. And uh-huh. she berates him for invading, going, what are you doing here? How dare you come here? At the very least, take these sunflowers and put them in your pocket so that when we bury you, sunflowers will grow. It's a very oh. like, very wow. powerful <laughs> statement. It's like the only time I think anyone has ever used sunflower seeds as a way of like, like we're going to bury your ass. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. No, I haven't seen that one. But I've been thinking a lot about the Queen of Wands in the Rider Waite Smith oh, yeah. deck, yeah. and um, and also thinking about the card of the Sun in the Rider Waite Smith mm-hmm. deck, both of which mm-hmm. have sunflowers on them. It's a very yeah. powerful emblem of rebirth, and happens also to be the emblem of the spiritual church movement. Many mm-hmm. spiritualist churches use a sunflower, where other churches might use a you know a Star of David across or whatever. These churches use sunflowers. 
um, especially those that are not Christian spiritualist or, you know, Buddhist spiritualist, whatever they're, what's called pure mm-hmm. spiritualist, and they use sunflower as their emblem. Mm-hmm. So much, much thought there, and I feel very, very sad for the people of Ukraine. It's a, yeah. a beautiful place, and um, it shouldn't be overrun. Chernobyl was bad enough, and now it's just mm-hmm. getting, yeah. now, you know, it's just, this is a place that's been working under a long, long time of difficulty, and yeah. it's not getting any better. Well, we have uh, today to turn more inward into our own community, the community of um occult and metaphysical and magical people, we have with us our guest, Ramona Scott, and she's bringing us a topic of creating and maintaining sacred space for root work and readings. So first we're going to say hi to Ramona, and then we're going to start that topic. Hi, Ramona. Welcome back to the show. Hi, everyone. Glad to be back. Always It's It's nice to have you here. How have things been in Texas, where you are? Very cold, uh, <sighs> weird, and, and uh, yeah, it's election time, huh? and it's just, uh, uh, yes. you know, it would be nice to get the governor out of office. <laughs> you know, we're dealing with uh, rezoning and stuff to try to pad the election, and I don't know what I can do about it. Yeah, it's hard to Better do. Yeah, huh? it's it's really hard to do um, the the kind of large scale justice work and political work because, of course, those people have so many people working for them, uh, you can get outnumbered. One of the best things to do when working for large-scale justice work is to enroll a bunch of good magicians to work together. Um, There's a long history of this kind of work. I don't know if you're old enough to remember raising the Pentagon. That was one of them. Some of them are, are, they sound sort of strange, but um, people get together and, and pray together or miracles can happen. Oh. Yeah. I hope for the best yeah. for you. Um, yeah, light and prayers. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, you brought us this great topic, which is um, how to create and uh, maintain, uh, build, cleanse, protect everything a sacred space where you can do readings and root work, or both, one or the other. Um, I'd like to start this off just talking a little bit about the dimensions of this and also start by recommending a book that a while ago called Who Do Shrines and Altars? Sacred Spaces in Conjure and Root Work mm. um, by Phoenix LaFay. And this book first came out in 2015, it's now in its third printing, and uh, it's really a, a wonderful book. She starts with the history of hoodoo altars, you know, as documented in, you know, uh, ethnological and anthropological studies. And then she talks about what you're going to need to put on an altar. And she talks about the different types of them, the difference between a shrine where you venerate an entity 
or a working altar where you do your work. And then she gives just a tremendous number of spells that are uh, for different types of work. But she also goes into lots of detail what what kind of candles you might want to have and what kind of uh, space. In another book that we published called The Fortune Teller's Guide to Success by Valentina Burton, that book goes into how to be a reader. And she has a lot of uh, material on setting up a sacred space as a reader, whether you do it in one place or whether you go on the road, like Clifford was describing, when you go to some place, how do you mark your sacred boundaries as a reader, even if you are at a venue? So these two yeah. books cover a lot of territory, but we're going to get into this on a more personal level now. I'm going to turn this over to you, Ramona. I want you to talk about what you uh, brought to us to, you know, to say today. Okay. Well, you know, I'm really starting to get into my groove. And I wanted a space uh, like I have a room. And I want it to be like my prayer room, my working room uh, for root work and reading, all things spiritual in that room. And I thought, you know, where do I start? So I looked on and I got the book, Hoodoo Shrines and Altars, which is fabulous. And um, I got a table. I sat and I thought to myself, what is it that I want to embody in this room? And I, I, I want it clear of negative energy. I want it to be where when I walk into it, I can feel the presence of any ancestors that may be looking out for me. Um, I want to just feel my work. Does that make mm. sense to you? Yeah, it sure does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and so um, I'm starting. You know, it, it's new to me because this is a a project that I'm actually working on now, and that's why when I uh, Nagasiba asked about a topic, I said, you know, damn, I want I want to know <laughs> that I'm doing this right. This is the topic mm-hmm. I want to discuss today because mm-hmm. this is going to be my life. And that's a wonderful that's a wonderful commitment, you know, to when you start on a project like taking I know, know you've been a reader for many, many years, but you're um starting out now as an internet reader, I guess you could say, right? And you're yeah. you're going to be reaching out to people through more uh venues and also reading from home. This is a different kind of reading for many people. And it's very important to have that space where your tools are available, where your books are available, where whatever it is you're going to consult, where you have, for instance, um, many people want to have some form of a, of a, a screen so they can go and quickly look up the psalms or something like that so they don't have to memorize every psalm. They, my, people, some people want to have um, a candle burning while they are reading. Some people want to have 
um, talismans around them to protect themselves from, you know, weird energy left by clients. Describe something that I have. I'm going to describe my reading room right now the way Mm. it is. I have a screen in front of me, which I don't use hardly at all unless somebody wants an astrological chart done, and I'll quickly use my astrology um, program and put up the chart on the screen. But usually I would print it out ahead of time on paper. I have um, a series of crystal balls in front of my uh, monitor, just a, a whole array of them. And at end, there's a whole bunch of crystal balls, and then at the end there's a clock which has a round face. It looks like a crystal ball. And so the clock kind of reminds me, you know, that I'm on the clock. Um, there is behind the clock a piece of paper which has on one side a picture of the angel of the temperance card, but not the right or weight. It's just a beautiful um, hand-painted, hand-drawn picture. And on the other side is blank. When I'm on Hoodoo Psychics, I turn it so that I can see the angel peeping up over the clock. I know, oh, my gosh, I'm live on Hoodoo Psychics right now. When I'm not on Hoodoo Psychics, I turn it so that the white back shows peeping up over the clock. I have post-it notes. I have pens. I have a flat piece of, um, oh, it's a it's an old uh, memo-taking um, office piece that I use to as a backer board to write my notes about my clients on because I write with one hand while I am talking on the phone. To my right is my tea with my ginger, courtesy of Papa G. My tarot cards are in a um, sampler box. I'm rattling it right now. In that box is also a pendulum. And to my left, there is the, my other work in the office, would be the book I'm working on or whatever. I never look in that direction when I'm reading. I'm just in this one little space. That's how my reading is set up. My reading space is set up. It's a COVID reading space. Prior to that, I used to read at a table, invite people in. I had a beautiful um, oak table. Everything was very copacetic. But now I'm in this littler space. I hope to return to a more ornamented reading room. So you can read anywhere as long as you make your space have something of you in it. That's my feeling. Uh, Conjurant, what does your reading space look like? Yeah, so I I do have a dedicated reading space. Not everyone does, and I should point that out. It's not necessary, you know, for you to have a dedicated reading space, but it is. I would encourage it. Um, Plenty of people I knew growing up read on just coffee tables. Um, Some people read even on their bed. I once saw reading being done where uh, they were (laughs) sort of sitting down on the bed and pulled out some cards. You can kind of do it anywhere, but I have also seen dedicated spaces. More commonly, there were card tables. So a lot of, I saw Mm -hmm. a lot of card tables growing up, particularly in Virginia and Conjure. It was just sort of a thing. You open up a quick card table or one of those really small tables and people would read on there. Phone readers had, um, you know, those little fold-out tables that people eat TV dinners on. They're really popular in, like, the 80s and the 90s. Uh, I think they've fallen out of favor nowadays but because no one really eats TV dinners. But they're really popular. They used to have, I knew, plenty of readers who would sit on their couch, open one of those, and then read on that. Um, I eventually did get my own dedicated reading space once I became a professional. 
And it's looked the same ever since. I've moved, I've done all these, but it's always looked the same. It's a table that is up against a wall, and there's a chair for me to sit. And when I sit at the chair, uh, level to my eye against the wall is a mirror, and it's my magic mirror. It's what I use to uh, do dream walking, to influence minds, to influence people. Um, and in front of it has a little uh, sensor for incense so that I can burn incense as I do my magic mirror work on the table itself. Uh, to my left is my scrying ball. I generally only scry with obsidian or black crystal, so I have a couple of those propped up. They're quite nice. On the right is my geomancy dice. So there's a little uh, table, uh, a bronze geomancy plate, if you will, and then on top of those are my dice. Geomancy dice are different than other dice. They're connected by a rod. So it's, it's four dice wow. that are connected by a rod that you spin in your hands, and then you throw onto the brass table, and then that produces a geomantic figure. That allows me to do it really quickly. Right next to that, I actually have a notebook with a dedicated magic pen that I use for when I'm doing long-form geomancy. So if I'm actually making the dots by hand, I still use pen and paper. There's a dedicated notebook um, that I have that has all my charts in it so that I can just flip through real quickly uh, on there. The table then has a little drawer, and I can open up the drawer and pull out my tarot cards from where I do. Uh, if I do card readings, and I can just place it out. And then whenever I do any type of astrological reading, I uh, bring my laptop and set it up on this exact space. So I'm still in this space as I'm doing my uh, astrological reading. This table also has a bowl of water, which I replace uh, every night. So I replace it, and this is to kind of filter out, cleanse. But sometimes I'll also use that for a form of scrying, or I may pour some wax into it or drip some ink into it to do uh, other forms of scrying. So I do use the bowl of water, but it also acts as a filtering device. And then I have candles that are set up that I light. I cleanse this space weekly, so it gets a really quick spritz with some Van Van spritz. I absolutely love it. Just, just spritz, spritz, spritz really quickly. It's not an intense form of cleaning. And then there's the uh, incense brazier, which is in the really at the back, right up really close to the mirror, which I generally burn from from a psychic vision. So it's a really clean space. It feels great. It's ordered. There's a Torian comfort to it. The chair I sit on is ergonomic. It's very nice for my back. So this isn't like some type of spooky, scary, dungeon-y, you know, I'm burning candles on skulls. That's on an altar elsewhere, which I do have, but not on my reading space. My reading space is nice. There's there's natural light. Like when I sit there, I don't even need to turn any lights on or candles. The sun shines right on it. It's very nice, yeah. very Torian, very upbeat. It, is, it's so uh, it, it feels me. good. I have yeah. a, I'm right by some big windows, trees outside my windows. Yeah, uh, the difference yeah. is I use Van Van in, when I'm reading in public, like when I read at Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, I do use Van Van to clean in between. But to clean my room, to spritz my room, I don't use Van Van. I use 4711 cologne to spritz the oh, room. Oh, very great. That's yeah, my, that's good. I have, mine is near a mirror too, but my mirror is to the right. So when I'm reading and when I when you take a pause, I just look to the right and like you, I have some beautiful hmm. trees. Above me, I have a, a whole, I, I don't know, like an array, I can't even count how many, of um, porcelain statues, statuettes of birds. Mm. 
and um, they're all brightly colored birds, and I they are there, and I can look at them anytime I want to see porcelain birds. They're part of; they've always been part of my personal reading space. I know that sounds really nutty, but that's what it says. Right, so, and uh, we should note here too that if you are if you're starting this work, having a dedicated space is great. So I have a whole separate room where both my reading table is set up, but also where I do my root work. It's a room that is just lined with altars, just dedicated mm-hmm. for it's my altar room. It's where I do my prayers. The carpet is covered with special carpets, uh, magic carpet, if you will, if I can be orientalist for a little bit. Um, so it's like a dedicated room, but you don't necessarily need a separate room. I'm a professional root worker and reader. Kat is a professional mm-hmm. root worker and reader. Ramona Scott is a professional reader and root worker. So we have these dedicated spaces. There are alternative ways of working. And so the most common altars that I found, first, were just never called altars growing up. That's what we call them, so an anthropological definition. Um, but they were generally mm-hmm. communal spaces. They were in the living room or by the front door. Um, ancestral altars or altars where people burn their candles. The boudoir is also very common in your bedroom people burn candles on top of their countertops and burn on top of mm-hmm. their dressers these are yeah. all places that you can set up and dedicate to do root work on top of so you don't need a fancy get up like we all have but we're professionals we need that space right we're doing our work today in the same way that a writer a professional writer might have a writing room or they might have a home office we have this so you don't need to be like, oh, my God, I can never do readings until I have magic mirrors on the wall. and No, no, no. You can have all sorts of different spaces. And so I do want to really highlight and point that out, that some of the most common altars were, like, on top of, on top of like, dressers, <laughs> on top of boudoir. Like, mm-hmm. it was just the most common place where people would set mm-hmm. up their candles and where they would do their magical work. The point is to dedicate a space to doing this type of work. So I, I want to bring Ramona back in on this. Ramona, what, what does your reading space look like? Uh, it's a table. I have a white lace over it. I have my crystals around. Um, I burn incense, and I have a glass of water. Um, and, and then I have um, a white cloth where I can put my cards down or my rooms. You and know, and, and my... I did not mention that I have a glass of water, too. I didn't, I was just, I just turned my mm-hmm. finger there. Mm-hmm. Again, I always have water here, too. Um, I I don't know what that's about. It's maybe to, you know, like, um, energize the space, um, keep it clean, bring spirits in. So all three of us have water on our reading tables. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and then sometimes I have a, if I'm doing it on the computer, I don't always, but I try to remember, I'll have a pillow to to pre- cover my solar plexus ah, to, to protect myself from the energies that come through um, this, this, I call it the hole. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Because the computer is energy, and spirits and everything thrive off of energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, positive, negative energy. And so I protect my solar plexus. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I uh, t- 
tend to keep my lighting low other than natural sunlight, but I don't have a lot of bright lights. When the sun goes down, I'm in a dimmer space. It's not bright. Um, Now, as for root work, I'm a great believer in glass containers. I don't think, you know, when you buy roots and herbs, they usually come in plastic because that's a cheap way to ship them. But I tell people, put your... um, Put your roots and herbs in glass and matching glass containers if you can. So people say, well, I don't have money to buy matching glass containers. And I'll give you some ideas. If you knew how much glass goes to the landfill every year, you'd ask around and ask people, Mm -hmm. for instance, people who have a baby and they're feeding the baby um, food out of, you know, little glass baby food containers or people like me who love roasted artichokes. Well, My husband and I Mm. go through a a can of roasted artichokes every week because we put them into everything, you know, put them on pizza, we put them on bagels, whatever, roasted artichokes, they come in these, we always buy the same brand, it's glass, and it's a nice little flat shape, looks cute. We have dozens, hundreds of them, you want some, we can give them to you for free. And so find somebody who eats something, or you become someone who eats something in glass containers that match. Or if you want to go all, you know, you can go buy uh, cases of pint canning jars. Those are good. They're, or even half pint canning jars. They cost money. I'm just talking about how to reuse mm. glass. But don't let your um, don't let your roots and herbs be sitting around in plastic. It's not good. Now, if you use clear glass, you're going to want to keep the sunlight off them. So you're going to need to put them in a cupboard that has a door that closes. And if you have them out, you've got to be rotating through them and using them very fast because sunlight does tend to degrade um, herbs. And um, but So you could use brown glass or blue glass if you want to, but then you don't get the prettiness of the herbs. So I like them in a container. So can, where I used to do it before I had a shop, I had an altar where I did my root work, and it was a little cupboardy uh, thing. I mean, you opened it up. There were two doors at the bottom. And um, you open it up and all the herbs were down underneath the altar, along with things like scissors and all my tools that I use for the altar were all underneath the altar. So I don't use a table for an altar. I tend to use a little cupboard for an altar. It can be any kind of like a little entertainment center thing or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's so many different kinds of pieces of furniture you can find. But that's a good way to keep your herbs and roots. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm. Yeah, I definitely couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the glass thing. I, I think, look, I, not all plastic is evil, but, but, and there's certain tools you can use for. Yeah, I know. But glass, I think anything natural is going to be very important for you. Uh, I think having glass here is really crucial. I'm not a fan. Um, and, and I will say I have seen it. People put things in things like plastic bottles. People, and I get it. I totally get it. Sometimes you can't afford it. Sometimes whatever. But this is where recycling comes in handy. This is where reusing things come in handy. Glass jars. Like, um, if you're not you, if you, for example, go through that jar of honey, wash that jar of honey out and then use that jar. This mm-hmm. is the, this is a great way of really working and building with things that are natural, organic, and copacetic with the work that you do. There is something disruptive 
um, about working with sort of non-natural materials, with these really synthetic materials, with these really manufactured materials. So just be aware of that. So I'm not, again, I mean, this isn't like a hard, fast rule. If you don't have glass, you're screwed. But I do think that working with glass here is important. There's also I'm other gonna ways. Say, I'm going to say you one do... more thing about the glass, just one more thing. Yeah, sure. The sure. lids, on, on these jars, if you're using reused jars, they often will have printing on the lids, you know, Antonio's roasted sun-dried tomatoes or whatever. Put all mm. the lids out on a sheet of paper, go down to your hardware store and buy some glossy black spray paint, spray the fuck out of them, let them dry. <laughs> now you have all matching black lids or green or what red, whatever color you want. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, you, you can also, and I'm going to put a little bit of a, a, a shout out to this, you can also make portable altars. It is quite common to do. So let's say you do have uh, some type of countertop or something that you can do work on, but you can't actually dedicate that space to it. You can't dedicate that space to it. You can therefore create a portable altar, any type of tray that you can move around. So those uh, dinner trays, all of those can be used. Um, cookie sheets were quite common where I grew up. A lot of people place stuff on cookie sheets. Um, and so like you would have candles that would burn on there. They're pretty safe to burn on top of. You might want to put a layer of sand down on it. Uh, but cookie sheets were very common. But that allows you to sort of pick up that magical work and put it elsewhere when you're not working on it so that you don't have like if someone walks into your house you're like i can't put up too much magical things in my living room i don't have that much space well you can make portable altars and so that's entirely doable um the more i believe though and this is my personal opinion the more you have a dedicated space the more attention you're able to give it the more it will become a sort of site of manifestation for you so a lot of times um, I have found, particularly as I do work with clients, dedicated spaces become really powerful places where you can bring your wishes into life. Sometimes the work really starts to happen just because I start to write a petition paper on that dedicated space. Why? Because I've spent years building that space up. It's got mm -hmm. all the herbs on there. It's got the lodestone. It's got the John the Conqueror root on there. It's got all these things. It's a living spiritual place and so i do encourage people if you can to build up those altars and maybe you'll build up a portable altar and that's perfectly fine and accessible but the more you think about these spaces as not just a temporary place where you light some candles but as a place in which you really bring spirit down right. the more powerful the more connection the more powerful connection that you will develop here this is the reason why almost every tradition in the world has some notion of a dedicated space. They may not always call it a church, but there is a notion of a dedicated space, a place to go to pray. And it could be in the house, it could be at the dinner table, it could be somewhere. But that place is made sacred. Um, and when you do so, you know, you're able to connect to spirit on a whole other level. And let me tell you, the work, it comes through. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that just made me excited. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, there's a... In the comments in the chat, um, Cliff Lowe said, when I do readings by phone from home, I have a whole ritual room that's got all my stuff there. It's powerful. 
but it's got too much clutter. And um, having a room, a dedicated room, is a uh, is is a really a, a luxury that not everyone can afford. But many professionals, even if they rent, will rent a space that has a spare bedroom that becomes the room. Uh, I believe it was Dr. Sweets also said um, using a walk-in closet worked uh, as a ritual room. Uh, but um, cluttered altars are a style clip, and uh, it's called maximalism. It's the opposite of minimalism. Mm-hmm. This is maximalism is found if you look at the Air website, you'll see a real sharp divide between those who have very plain altars and those mm-hmm. who have cluttered altars. And I'm a cluttered altar person myself, so I really like that aspect of altar making. The the combining of things, the getting of the little bits and pieces that put together um, an aesthetic uh, montage or collage of stuff at, on the altar. That's the style. It's not necessarily a bad style. It's pretty common, actually. Um, so, um, but not having a ritual room for yourself doesn't mean you can't have a ritual corner. Now, I knew when I was young, I knew people who would work, you know, in their kitchen table, light candles on their kitchen table for clients. Um, And one of the things I was taught early on was you can make a ritual space if you can stretch your arm out. Put your arm in front of you, your fingers extended, and then just go around to the side and to the back, and you'll see how big a space you need. Just do it with both your hands like you were kind of swimming the breaststroke, right? That's your space. Nothing should intrude in that space, your arm's length. So I did readings for a long time when I was uh, nursing my uh, daughter. I had a big old oak rocking chair, the kind that had those real wide arms. And um, my then husband made a very nice oak matching oak piece with it kind of locked in over those arms. So I could just sit there, nurse the baby. It had a little cutout for nursing the baby, and then this flat place where I could read cards. And that was my space. That was my arm-length space. So it can be done. It's not impossible. Right, and I think it's it's something that you, um, <clears throat> as you work more and more and as years pass, it eventually probably will come to um, you actually having that mm-hmm. yeah now another thing that another thing that people ask about when it comes to dedicating sacred space and we've kind of glossed past this do you need to consecrate that space do you need to say i'm setting this piece of of, of uh, my own personal real estate aside for sacred things and if you do have to consecrate it how often do you have to clean it how often do you have to renew it Personally, I'm a pretty casual pick-it-up-and-go person, so I don't do a lot of pre-preparation. I just move my stuff in, I'm there. And I'm, I've got just, just me, but I'm a kind of a messy person. There are people who will really, I mean, they'll do the lesser banishing ritual of the pentacle and all that, whatever, <laughs> you know, get their space set up. And that's fine. That's good for them. No problem. They will dedicate it on a certain you know, solar hour, a certain, you know, moon hour, whatever it's going to be, and and have it be their dedicated space. They'll do an election for when they start it. 
those are all fine things to do. I never um, felt that I had the time to do that. You know, oops, moving into a new mm-hmm. house. I got readings to do. People are coming over. Uh, geez, um, let me light a couple of candles, set the mood. Here I am. I'm a, I'm, but I have, I have to say, I have Gemini rising and I have Uranus at the ascendant. So I'm ready at the drop of a hat to go do anything, change gears if I have to, as far as spiritual work. So that's, I'm a little unusual in that way. When it comes to root work, however, I am a lot more Torian. Then I want all my tools around me. I want space. I want quiet. I don't want the phone to ring. I don't want electric lights on. I do my mm. root work in as close to a 19th century space as I can. Not, not under fluorescent lights, not under electric lights, not under LEDs. I work by candlelight if it's night or I work by sunlight if it's day. I work outdoors a lot and when I do root work. That, to me, is much more important than setting up my reading space because I bring so much concentration to my root work. However, having said that, I have actually made powerful amulets and talismans while crouched on the floor in nothing but a little cotton shift with stuff all around me and literally my baby crawling around trying to get to the stuff and me saying, stay back, stay back, stay back. So I can do it (laughs) if I have to. We all can adapt. But I do like it to have the Mm. space set up the way I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, look, at the end of the day, uh, any type of dedicated space, whether it's cluttered as a maximalist or it's minimalist, whether there's natural light or there's fluorescent light or there's candles, whatever it is, the question you need to ask yourself is, does this help me connect the spirit? If you stand in front of that place, whether it's a portable altar, a boudoir, a fancy Victorian table that you, that's been passed down in your generation, you know, in your family for generations, whatever it is, can you hear spirit when you stand before it? Can you pray in front of it to God or the higher power, wherever it is? Can you do that in your bedroom? Can you do that on your knees? If you can do that, then you've got your space. You've got your space. There you go. You can literally yeah. be on your knees, put out a put out a bed sheet. Put out a bed sheet that you have assembled some herbs on and you're making a mojo bag. And if you're connecting right. to spirit and you hear spirit and you connect to God, you've got yourself a fantastic dedica- dedicated space. That's the question you need to ask yourself. Does this help me connect to spirit? You can put all the effort in the world into making it the fanciest, the coolest, the most aesthetic, the gloomiest, the spookiest, magical mm-hmm. space in the world. But if you stand before it and the only thing you feel is, oh, this is kind of pretty and you're not connecting to spirit, then... You've got a problem. There is that's, a there is quality true. here. There is a spirit quality here that no amount of organizing, no amount of ritual, no matter no amount of us telling you this is step one, this is step two is going to change. That qualitative component is the ability to connect with spirit, and you can do that anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Sweet said something which is good. We we overlooked mentioning it, which is the outside storage shed. Um, you can you can buy these at um, local um, mass outlets like Home Depot. Um, you can have them set up for you. You don't have to build them yourself. They come all pre-assembled, 
hire some guys, come out and assemble them. If you have a storage shed like that, you can do uh, readings in it. You can do root work in it. It also has the added benefit um, that the um, if you burn candles for people, the smoke will destroy your ceilings in your house if you keep on doing it for too long. And so if you do it in an outside yeah. shed, that uh, you just have to repaint that ceiling every once in a while. So that's a, a good thing. Um, and I'm here to tell you, too, if you have a building like that that's a separate building, and I did have a um, place where I burned candles. We burned them outdoors and indoors. The indoors one, um, a candle glass exploded, and the place caught on fire, but it did not catch our shop on fire, and it did not catch our house on fire because it was on a separate piece of stone, flagstone, and uh, it just burned in place. So that's another thing. If you are lighting candles, you want to have a safe place to do that. And it's very important. And uh, Doc Murphy said something about the idea of casting a circle is used in, by pagans to make a, a temporary sacred space. Casting circles is not found so much in hoodoo, but, um, but you can do it. I mean, it's, there's no reason that you shouldn't do it. But casting circles is, is just a, not that common in hoodoo. More common in hoodoo would be to um, just, you know, uh, say a prayer or something to mm-hmm. to put, put yourself in your place. However, there are old accounts of hoodoo practitioners, root doctors who did make circles or who worked in a triangle. And um, that's not, it's not unknown. And these were African-American root workers. So that is possible. The idea of an altar being something on high, because altar means alta, which means on high, uh, that is cultural. In some places, altars are low to the ground and even on the ground. And in other places, altars are elevated and may be stacked, um, you know, sort of as a series of steps of altars. I like to make them that way where you have uh, graduated altars. little side mm. flanking pieces. I mean, but again, I'm a maximalist. I want everything piled up, mm. you know, to make my altars. There are um, good ways to make altars using cheap, easily obtained um, boxes, and um, mm-hmm. you can cover them with cloth. Go down to the uh, fabric store, get yourself some gold lame cloth, get yourself some sturdy boxes. Uh, back in the day, we used to use uh, discarded, broken, wooden speaker cabinets. They're hard to get nowadays, though. Um, and you just can put them up tall, and you can lay them down flat. And you can't put anything heavy on a box. But there are some kind of boxes like that are reinforced that you can just um, throw that gold lame cloth over them, and you can put all kinds of things on top of them. Build it up the way you want to. Another... Um, kind of thing that you can use to um, build up altar layers or levels are um, uh, wooden crates. You can go on eBay and just find wooden crates. Anything looks good with gold lame cloth over it. I'm here to tell you and attest to that. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I, I should mention the uh, floor altars were growing up. I've seen quite a few of them um, where people would set up these very low altars so that they can sit cross-legged in front of the altar and do the work there. So not all altars are standing altars. Not all, all altars are high up. And so you could do that. Uh, and, and it's totally acceptable. Like I, I mentioned earlier, the 
bad, the bedsheet reference, that's actually, I wasn't being flipped. It's actually quite true. I knew somebody who did that. They lay mm-hmm. out, they had a dedicated bedsheet. It wasn't the one that they slept on, but it was, they would lay that out on the floor and all the work that they did was on the floor. They would sit cross-legged, they would put the herbs in piles onto the bedsheet itself, and then they would compile mojo bags that way, they would create jars that way, and they would set this up, and then when they were done, they would fold up the bedsheet, put it aside, right? and then when they needed to do work again, they'd open it back up. And so they just did everything right on the floor on, on a very colorful um, bedsheet. So that's that's one way that you can totally do so. That, the other that thing is about, very common in tropical countries to see yep, people work yep, on, on the, the ground. Yeah, this was a this was a, a in Florida, so mm-hmm. tropical, quite, mm-hmm. quite tropical, and there was a it was from an Afro-Cuban background, so there was a mm-hmm. uh, tropical connection there as well. So yeah, it was very tropical, but putting it down on the floor. The one thing I will say is that uh, you also want to find the symbology that works for you, but also that is part of the cultural tradition you're working in. I I do I, eclecticism is fine. I, I'm not saying you can't be eclectic. Plenty of people are eclectic, but it is important to understand that not all symbols are universal. While they may exist in other cultures, they don't always mean the same thing. A prime example of that is the circle. So in um, a lot of sort of European traditions, the circle is seen as protective, particularly with the whole um, ceremonial magic tradition. Technically, much older, uh, the circle is actually about containing. So if you actually look at circle magic in Egypt, for example, it's about containing, not necessarily protection. And we actually find that in hoodoo as well, that circles are more often not used as a containing principle than a protective principle, about like holding in, and whereas protective is squares. So a lot of protection magic that you'll find in hoodoo is about the four corners. You set up candles in the four corners and you set something up in the middle. So there's a different imagery there that's often found. So be aware of the symbolism that you're invoking. Be aware of what type of culture you're working in. These magical traditions don't exist outside of cultures all the time. They, they do exist within a living tradition. And so be aware of the symbols of the living tradition. Be aware of the meanings within that tradition. There's a reason why hoodoo practitioners have Bibles on their altars, right? That's a particularly mm-hmm. powerful, evocative symbol, right? And so be aware of the symbols that you're working with. Make sure that it all makes sense both for you spiritually as well as the kind of cultural traditions that you're working in. That's the key to really making that altar pathetic with what you're doing. Like if you're doing, if you're creating a love altar um, and you're creating, you know, love altars and whatnot, and you're going to put your black peppers on there, that's probably not going to be in line with the tradition of hoodoo, right? Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe just a little bit, you know, oh, well, I'm spicing it up a little bit. That's not exactly how we spice things up. So be aware of the cultural mm-hmm. symbolism, the meanings that are found within the tradition that you're working with and see how that fits with your spiritual practice when you build these spaces. Yeah, there's, a, there, there's some good chat going on here, too, about um, working on a tile top altar um, because it can be heat resistant, and also you're going mm. to need, um, if you're going to um, work with fire in any way, you're going to need heat resistant surfaces. If you get my yeah. book, The Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic, there's a long list in there of the tools that you will need to work with candles. Those tools can all be stored underneath your candle altar or put away somewhere, but I like to have them nearby. Underneath seems right to me. Um, we also uh, were talking about ways to build up altar spaces. 
so that the, for instance, deity statues or precious things would be up higher and the working spaces in front of you. Um, cinder blocks were mentioned, and um, they work very, very well. And milk crates. Um, these would be the plastic milk crates, one of the few uses for plastic that are fine because they used to make milk crates out of wood, but they don't anymore. And you mm. can get those um, used milk crates. You can buy them online. And those, again, work really well to build up so that you have a space that is um, ornamented, but yet you're working on a flat space. One thing about cinder blocks, I will say, though, they will scratch your tile top table. So be very careful. Put some piece of cardboard or chipboard under the cinder block Mm. before you put it on a tile top table. Because if it shifts or moves, it'll scratch the glaze off your tile top table and you'll regret it later. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Um, yeah. Do any of y'all use um, color in in reference? Does color matter to oh, you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I see. I keep separate altars for love and for money and yeah. stuff like that. So my love altar has red artificial roses on it. It has. Um, mm-hmm. you know, different things that are red and gold, little ornamental things of that nature. The green color goes with the money altar. I have actual money on it and copper and brass coins and currency and things like that. Yeah, I do that. Another thing I do is I tend to, when I have enough space, I will build separate altars for these different projects and I will um, put them based on what, I want. For instance, if I want something to come toward me, I'd put it toward the east. As the sun rises, cast its light over that altar, it brings it in. For an altar for Hmm. removal or reversing or cursing, I'd put that at the west, let it go down, or at the north where the light never shines. Um, For for an altar for success and crown of success, I would place it facing south, which is noon, which is when the sun is high. If I only had room for one altar, I'd make a long altar facing south, and I would just mark it off from east to west with these different sections. And those would be colored differently. I would lay out different cloths, you know, a mm-hmm. red cloth and green cloth, gold cloth and black cloth and so forth. Yeah, color means a lot, and that's where I would also color coordinate my candles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, good absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've covered a lot here. And I and I hope we've given people this some ideas. Masterclass in, uh, in alters. Yeah, yeah, tutorials from people who do it. Um, do get that book. Who designs an altar? You're gonna love it. It's a really good book. You can buy it from Lucky Mojo or on Amazon. All right, now it's time for our dear announcer, Clifford Lowe. <laughs> All right. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. 
Our caller is Breathless, calling in from area code 937. Breathless, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Excellent, excellent. Um, You wrote that you recently left a 10-year relationship and you're adjusting to the hard reality of living alone. One person you were interested in didn't uh, want to see you anymore. Do you wait for him to come around or do you try to find someone new? Is it possible for you to find new love? Turning it over to you, Miss Cat. All right, Breathless. Well, that's a hard thing to get out of a 10-year relationship and find your feet and find love again. I've, I've done it myself, so my heart goes out to you, and I know you can do it. Um, if I could do it, you can do it. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, what is your sign of the zodiac? I'm an Aries. All right. You won't have any trouble plunging on and finding love. I know that. That's going to be easy enough for an Aries. Um, the next question I have for you is, about how old are you? I'm 46. I'll be 47 the end of March. Don't sweat. Don't fret. I got abandoned out of a marriage when I was 46, 10 years of hell, and I I um and was married again by the time I was 50 and been married ever since. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. That's just pragmatic. I'm going to read your cards for you. I'm going to do the oh. first reading. Um Ramona Excuse is going. Me. Yes. Miss Cat, um, I have a slight change in my request. I'm not interested in that person anymore. There's a new guy that I'd like to ask about who I just met. All right. Well, then let's have it for the new guy. What sign is the yes. new guy? He's a Taurus. Oh, good mm. for you. You see. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was it that Papa G <laughs> said? I'm sorry. Papa G had the best phrase though. Everybody wants to fuck a Taurus. That's what Papa G said. That oh, should yeah. become a that that's a <laughs> all right. Um Papa G has a funny way with words. Uh he's a Taurus, by the way. Um, <laughs> all right. So now we're looking at an Aries and a Taurus. All right, well I'm gonna read on that person then. About how old is that person? Um, two years older than me. All right, let's take a look. I'm going to, um, card number one is an interesting card. It's the Nine of Pentacles. This shows a um, a lady in a garden with grapes growing. She has a pile of six golden coins on one side and a pile of three golden coins on the other side. In front of the six coins is a snail, and it means that uh, something she wanted just doesn't arrive on time. Right? She's uh, looking over her shoulder toward the future, toward the right side of the card, and she's holding a bird in her hand, and the bird is a hawk with a hood over it. So this is somebody who hasn't yet fully been revealed to her in their fullness because they have a little hood. They only have three coins, but you know that they won't waste any time because a hawk is swift and will serve the lady. She's um, going to do very good. She has a, a dress on with Venus symbols embroidered all over it in the form of budded roses. Great card. It's good that you've turned your attention. Anybody who doesn't come fast enough and fulfill your needs quickly, just move to the next one, and you've done a good job in moving to that next person. Now, mm-hmm. the next uh, the next card that I have here is a card about this next 
person, okay? And this card is an interesting card because it's not like this guy is going to, like, immediately fall in love and marry you. It is the three of wands. And so this is a magician. It's the same as the magician card, the same person, but it is back turned to us. And his clothes have been worn out and patched, and he has patched them very artistically, made himself look as good as he could, and he's waiting for the return of something he sent out into the world. He has sent little ships out, and he wants them to come back with treasure. This guy has been waiting a little while, and he has he's patient, and he he is hoping that you will be the answer to his dreams. He's had a little bit of um, of downtime himself. He's not so much a a player, um, and that's good because Taurus is. Uh, really do well if they find a home, you know. This guy may have a little bit of discouragement and you may have to do some encouragement. But if you are the one for him and if he doesn't obsess about the past, you'll do very well. And the the last card, the third card, is an excellent card that tells me there is a great blessing with this guy and that is the Ace of Cups. And the Ace of Cups shows a um, hand of God holding a golden goblet and there's a dove flying into the cup, which has a sort of a sexual um, sense to it. And the water is pouring up out of the cup and then little droplets are all around it, sort of a male and female emblem here. And the water pours down into a, a beautiful where water lilies are floating. So it's a blessing of, of energizing sexuality that leads to uh, relaxation and peace and meditation. It also refers to the 23rd Psalm, which has the words in it, my cup runneth over, because that's what's happening here. So this person looks good, potentially. The only drawback, that middle card, he may be someone who is not getting how lucky he is to get you right away. So, and he's got three ships coming in. He may be, you know, kind of looking for what's the best. And yet, this looks like a very good uh, situation, like it will be good for you. All right. I'm going to turn this over to Ramona. Okay. Hi, Breathless. Um, Hi, Ramona. The card that I uh, drew for you is the Wheel and the Knight of Wands. And uh, in Love and Relationships, the Wheel of Fortune um, it indicates a positive change and that um, at the same time, the change the wheel of fortune is bringing you can be a little difficult. Um, there are, it can lead you to where you are supposed to be. And if you're single, which you are at this moment, Um, It indicates that the universe is working to bring you the love you deserve, but you have to work with the universe, and you have good fortune coming in love, so now is the time to put yourself out there and get out and meet new people. You know, there's an interest in this guy, yes, but don't just stop right there because you need to make sure you are discerning about exactly what you want in a partner so that you can have the opportunity to get just that. 
You understand? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And and the Knight of Wands, <clears throat> um, you know, you you is it indicates a changing of residence or moving or or moving in or out of something. And uh, this guy, he could be fun loving that you're interested in at the moment. Um, but also a little chaotic and a little, uh, you know, has your head, you know, snapping back and forth, you know, trying to fit <laughs> him out. So, you know, just, just hold on, you know, take things one step at a time because the time is in your favor for getting that love that you desire. But keep your options open. Okay. I, I just have to jump in here, Ramona, because I I read three cards. And when I do that, I take them off the top of the deck. And so I see the card that I did not pull. I always been sitting there staring at me the whole time. And it is the Knight of Wands, which is the card oh, wow. that you have. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I interpret the Knight of someone who comes from a distance, who is cheerful, mm. It's a good card. It is not necessarily, you know, the the guy that you will marry forever, but it's a very, very good place to start. So I just had yeah. to give that little shout out to the Knight of Wands that was sitting there staring me in the face the whole time you were reading. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, what we have here looks to me like um, a, a qualified yes. I'm not going to say it's 100% mm-hmm. like this is the guy, but we're seeing a qualified mm-hmm. yes. Things are changing. Things are getting better. And my opinion that um, you will um, find some good sexuality with this person if that's what you're interested mm-hmm. in. But mm-hmm. um, but he may still have a little baggage left over. You'll, yeah. you'll watch it develop. Um, we're going to turn this over to conjure man because he's going to try to move the energy more in your favor so we read it mm-hmm. what i would call, i call it a naive reading we're just that's just that's a reading now mm-hmm. conjure man's going to bring in the magic and he's going to tell mm-hmm. you what you can do and he's got our cards he knows what we have you know and he's oh, going yeah. to work work with those cards to interpret to make a root work advice for you Yes, yeah, you. uh, you've gotten some really great readings here, and based off of these, I'm going to give you some recommendations. So uh, first and foremost, get rid of anything that might be holding you back. So if you have anything lingering from your previous relationships, get rid of that. Get it out of your house. You don't need it there. Uh, if you need to, you can do like a full-on actual cleansing, and you can look up a variety of different methods to do that from this very radio show. I suspect you won't need it too much. Uh, you're an Aries. Good old cardinal sign. You all know how to move on when it's need to be, <laughs> when you've made your mind. Uh, I do have a question for you before I get started, and I do apologize if it's a little bit vulgar. Um, but we're all adults here, and this is an adult show, for, uh, or at least PG-13, and we're talking about adult things. Have you slept with this man yet? Oh, yes, I have. Okay, good. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, didn't we just important. say, uh, Conjure Man, everybody wants to fuck a Taurus. Everyone wants to talk a Taurus, yeah. So I'm, you've now, I'm going really to give you some root work advice. I, I'm going to give you some root work advice. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you some root work advice uh, on how to get this man. Uh, as a Taurus dude, 
himself, as a straight dude, I could give you uh, root work advice on how to get this guy. So I'm going to tell you the magical steps, but also some really good practical steps. So this is, I'm, I'm revealing the secrets of capturing a Taurus's heart here a little bit. So first and foremost, I want you to start with a good love bath. Get yourself some rose petals, catnip, and violet leaves. Brew this into a tea and then bathe yourself with this from the tips of your toe all the way to the top. You're drawing this love to you. This is to make you irresistible to him. Get yourself, uh, get out, uh, out of the bath, let yourself air dry, and get a little bit of the used bath water. Sprinkle it in your front door so that he is drawn to your house, and then just a couple drops near your bed. Don't soak your carpet. You're not trying to cause mildew. You're not trying to cause an issue. Just a couple drops, so that way you're leading him from the door to your bed. Then, while you are naked, get yourself a red penis candle. Write his name on it and his birthday. Use this red penis candle as a sex toy. Anoint it with your sexual fluids. Visualize as you orgasm. Visualize you two happy together. I'm combining here your fire nature, that's in the Aries, with sex magic, which always works really well. Taurus and Scorpio in particular have really good connections to sex magic here. So as you orgasm, I want you to visualize you two happy together. Then take this a penis candle that you've uh, anointed with your sexual fluid and then anoint it with come to me and love me oil. Set this up on a heat-proof dish or an altar and then in a ring around it, sprinkle a ring of stay with me powder so that you he is bound to you. He stays within this ring. Light this candle, pray over it, and burn it down over seven days. And then get this guy to come around. When he comes to you, you want him to you don't want him to just be, uh, you know, another hookup. If you're interested in something mm-hmm. significant from him, you're going to have to adjust some of your strategies to get a Taurus. So here's some some tricks. The trick to getting a Taurus man is three things. That's it. Feed him, fuck him, and let him rest. That's it. <laughs> that is the that is the that is the key to every Taurus's heart. Feed him, fuck him, and let him rest. They don't want to be bothered. So that's the big thing. And it's very deliberately because as much as I love you, little Aries, you all can be very abrasive. Um, and that can yeah. there can be some tensions between that fixed Taurus, who is very earthy, and that fiery Cardinal Aries. There's a headstrong component there. So you want to, you want to be avoid the abrasiveness around him, right? Wear lots of greens. Oh, they love the color green. Lots of greens. Make sure that you invite him over for a meal. Invite him over. Cook something home-cooked if you can. And when you cook it, add your menstrual blood and sexual fluids to it. Just a couple drops. You're not changing the taste of anything. Just a couple drops. Let that magical food set in his stomach. If it gets into his belly, you've got him. Because those are the two keys to his Uh, heart, his belly, and his sex. When you've invited him over, make sure that your home is comfy, lots of lovely cushions. You don't want to be sitting at the dinner table the entire time. When you're done with the dinner table, you want to be at those, you want to be on the couch, the lovely couch. And when you're on that couch, make sure there's some good cushions and make sure that 
you're wearing your favorite scent and that you've put a little bit of love me oil on your hand and touch him. We are, this is an earth sign. They love to be touched. Let him relax and luxuriate in your presence. Uh, maybe have a couple candles going while you do this. And before he arrives, sprinkle that come to me powder into the carpet. Really dig it in. It has a really added benefit. Come to me smells amazing. Come to me and stay with me, in my opinion, are the two favorite scents. For Tauruses, they smell really, really good. So stay if you put me, that in yeah. the carpet, yes, yeah, stay with me. It will smell great. Your house will stay, smell phenomenal. So you sprinkle that into the carpet. Then make sure that after you have this meal, you have sex. When you two have sex that night, though, get a washcloth and use that towel to wipe your joint fluids. So your sexual fluids that from you and him. It should be a small one, so not like a giant-ass towel, small washcloth. Then you're going to use that washcloth to get him to be yours. On a Friday, when the moon is waxing, you're going to tie this knot, this cloth, into a knot. Put it into a jar. Add in a little bit of that stay-with-me powder that you use in the candle magic. So bury everything else in your front yard, but keep a little bit of that powder. Put a little bit of that powder into the jar so you connect the candle to the jar. Add some rose petals, cuba berries, ginger, damiana, bohog. Pray into the jar, close it, and then keep this thing hidden under your bed. Here you go. Step by step. You do this, you've got yourself a Taurus man. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Um, Thank I, you. That's I, so powerful. Yeah, that's so great. I have a, a, a couple of questions because I was taking notes. Um, mm. There's, um, you said the um, rose petals, bohog root, and you named another root or herb. Oh, for the jar? So rose petals, yes. cuba berries, ginger, cuba. damiana, uh, and bohog. All right, boy, that was that's a great little thing, and I'm gonna I'm writing them all down. Um, fantastic, that is really fantastic. Um, it's so uh, primitivo, <laughs> but but it is what gets a tourist. Um, I would say also tourists tend to like um, to be fed food. Um, I, I don't mean, you know, some sort of stupid porn version of feeding somebody food, but finger food. Mm-hmm. The tourists tend to like finger food or they like food that they that has a tactile sensation to it. They yep. also, um, if if you um, mm-hmm. have a candles burning at the table where you're, where you're feeding them, uh, you know, be sure to dress those candles with some of those oils. Wow. Thank you, Congressman. That was incredible. Okay, now coming to us from the land of electrons, neutrons, protons, neutrinos, quarks, and quasars is our network schedule announcement.
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Ramona Scott of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth in Houston, Texas. Take it away, Ramona Scott. I just want to say that. If you want to have something to uh, cleanse your sacred space, I this is my favorite. And I, I say it after I light white sage incense and I leave it burning. God of all truth and light, shield and protect me day and night. Fill the space with joy and love as you send your blessings from above. Cleanse the space, remove the past. For I have found my joy at last. Negativity of this my sacred space, I banish you by the light of my grace. Be gone forever. You will obey. From my sacred space, you must away. Wow. Ramona, did you write that? Um, I wrote bits and pieces of different things, and I put it together. You know, so that Mm -hmm. depending on what I'm working on or what I'm doing, I could just be, you know, like I light the white sage and just say, God of all truth and light, shield and protect me Mm -hmm. day and night. Mm -hmm. But if I'm doing the work, then I want something Mm -hmm. out of there, you know, and I want it cleansed and I want to be protected. And it's simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, the last time you were on too, you gave us a beautiful rhymed spell, and um, I'm just I'm so impressed with these because these are not rhymed spells I've seen elsewhere. So I'm going to give you a whole lot of. Uh, well, see, I'm you a know. poet. <laughs> you are a poet. Well, I'm a are. poet. That's what I do. So you know, things I can't rap, but I can. Mm. <laughs> It's very good. Well, it's very good. You know, there's a lot of people who try to do um, rhymed spells. I'm going to take a little side trip here. Rhymed spells come out of the Anglo-Germanic tradition primarily, although you can find them in other cultures as well. But they are most common among Germanic, Scandinavian, and English, Irish, Scottish people. And they entered into hoodoo, of course, you know, due to the admixture of different people in hoodoo. One of the best poets of this type of spell when I was young was a woman named Anna Riva. And she, oh, yeah. she, she did some beautiful rhyme spells. I tried my hand at a couple of them. I like the style. I really do. But it's not my natural way of working i'm very impressed by what you have shown us of this and um uh, doc murphy says ramona needs to publish these that's a wonderful wonderful idea 
you know, no, really, a um, a book of, you know, prayers and spells, Ramona. That's something people wow. would go for. Yeah. I I think it would be very interesting because you you have a real way with it. It, This is, you know, now you mentioned lighting sage. And I just, again, I'm going to put a little footnote to one side. Yes, there are people who light sage. And yes, there are also people who are allergic to sage. So don't don't let the sage thing stop you from cleansing your sacred space. There are many other ways to do it. You can use pine resin. You can use um, van van, lemongrass, salt. Yeah, yeah. There are many ways to to, uh, cleanse a space. Rosemary is another Mm -hmm. one. Um, Do you have any more uh, conjurement that you would think of? Uh, Those are the ones that I use. Um, I will also say that some people use cologne-specific cleansings that that are good. Mm -hmm. Certain spirits like colognes. Like I found, for example, I didn't grow up using Florida water. It wasn't particularly common in Virginia. Condor just wasn't that Mm -hmm. that common. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I have adopted it, and I have found that it works as a really good cleanser for spirits of the dead in particular. So ancestral altars I wash with Florida water, Um, but also... Mm -hmm. Before I actually even set up my ancestor altar, I actually put a little bit of Florida water in a heat-proof bowl and lit it on fire and let the fire really cleanse that space. So sometimes colognes, uh, certain spirits like certain type of colognes, certain altars really vibe with the colognes. One way uh, to, to cleanse is to really get uh, – to make a tea out of an herbal wash. Um, rue, agrimony, uh, basil mixed together, brewed into a tea, and then washing down uh, works wonders to kind of remove anything, particularly if you're using, in my opinion, anything that's handed down or that's been used before. You might want to kind of wash it down in case there's something left, if there's some remnant, spiritual remnant on it. So a bit of a bit of a uh, tea wash that you can wash down with. Um, Chinese floor wash that has been diluted can also be used, altars as well. But these are really great ways to cleanse and purify that space for you to use. Again, you don't need to view this as like, if I don't cleanse it, it's going to be contaminated. That's not how the tradition of hoodoo is way, way more organic and natural than that. There isn't this uh, fear approach where, like, if you don't cleanse them, then you're screwed. But it's just good spiritual hygiene, I think. And so develop a practice that works for you, something that you can use either to start, but then also to kind of regularly touch up and keep the altars clean, whether you spray it every once in a while or you do, like, a full-on yearly cleansing. Um, Develop some type of spiritual hygiene around the altars and sacred space. Um, Clifford Lowe in the chat said he uses frankincense and sometimes asphaltum, known as bitumen of Judea, which is foul-smelling and um, can trigger endorphins and make you high on the pain. (laughs) This is to cleanse an altar where you really want to protect yourself. But frankincense is usually used for as an altar offering. Um, and uh, Dana M.K. says, frankincense immediately makes me get that kick in the gut. Greek Orthodox childhood throwback feels, but not in a good way. Ah, but you see, for some people, it is in a good way. Um, what your past is, you carry with you, but not everyone carries that past. Peace water spritz is another one mm-hmm. that would be good for um, cleansing an altar space. It just brings peace. 
And as I mentioned before, rosemary is used. If you have fresh rosemary growing, people will sometimes take rosemary, dip it in holy water or any water that you have made holy, and then spritz that uh, like a spurge with it, just sort of spritz it around. All right. Those are those are very wonderful ways to cleanse an altar, and that that um, recitation by Ramona, which is in the chat, you can come back and read it there. Beautiful, beautiful, all purpose. It both it it uh, sets the mood, it shields, it cleanses, and it banishes negativity for whatever kind of work you want to do. All right, we're going to turn this over to Clifford. He's going to give us our closing announcements and we're all going to come back and say goodbye in our each and own in several ways thank you Miss Cat and Conjurman and thank you Ramona Scott of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth and uh, uh, for being our guest this week we invite you to join us next week when our special guest um, will be Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina um, bringing us the topic of Chinese fortune telling for the Oracle Hour once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find this cat through the Lucky Mojo form at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission California. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from clifflow.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio uh, at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the, jo- the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Mensis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody, and goodbye. Thanks, Bob Clifford. All right. Now, remember, folks, on Monday... Hoodoo Psychics is giving away free readings. Go to Hoodoo Psychics at Facebook and get, and sign up for your free reading. That's a just one of those good things that you can get. Also, you can get free readings here. Um, so come back next week. Maybe you get your free reading here. Um, we are working on the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. It's going to be August 13th and 14th. So get your money lined up. Put it in a little envelope and save it because you're going to be wanting to buy a ticket and you're going to get your goodie box with all the good stuff in it and um, remember we have a new member at air reverend james so check out reverend james get a reading from him and learn what he has to show he's going to be our guest next week with chinese fortune telling all right everybody all right. Good night. thanks everyone bye-bye bye bye good night Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.